Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. You know, it's what is it? Richard Branson, you know, has a famous quote, you know, people are like, what if I train my people and they leave? And he goes, what if you don't train them and they stay? You know, it's that kind of same philosophy here, right? You know, if you look at your employees as a lifetime value. Because my issue was I could, I can get people in the door. I can hire, you know, 10 people a week. You know, but how do I find basically those people that are my future managers? All right, so I'm stoked for this one. I got my buddy Doug on here, and Doug and I, we did a podcast together on his show, so I figured I'd have to return the favor and bring him over here and just see how big we can blow this up. So, uh, Doug, I got one big question for you. I have built a ton of sales teams over the years, but I haven't done it since I launched my own company. And now that I've launched my own company, the times have changed, man. The, the way you recruit salespeople, the way you build a culture around them have changed tremendously. So in this day and age, one, when is somebody ready to build a sales mm -hmm. team? And two, how do they go about it? I think somebody's ready to build a sales team when they need to step out of that sales role because they're, what happens is you get in this yo-yo of fulfillment and sales, fulfillment and sales. You know, you make a bunch of sales and then you realize, oh crap, I got to do the work, you know? And I think uh, as soon as they can step into that fulfillment role and, and especially like in our space, when you're looking at events, you're looking at groups, you're looking at um, providing people with value, so much value and fulfillment that it creates leads for the sales, but you can't go back and forth. Uh, I feel like that's the time that you need to start building out your sales team. Right. And so it's difficult to say within you know, the parameters of this podcast, how to build a sales team, but I can give you the overarching uh, tenants that I go by, which I call Kodak. Yeah. So Kodak um, compensation is, is the most important piece is the reason that they get in the business opportunity is it's the hardest piece though, too. <laughs> it's one of the hardest pieces. <laughs> opportunity is the second piece. That's the reason they stay in the business. Um, development's the third piece that's the reason that they develop within your business, right? And then operations is the fourth piece. Can you even fulfill the amount of work that they're bringing in? And then culture is the last piece. You know, that's the warm and fuzzy stuff that is created with the first four tenants. As long as those are on point, it kind of organically creates the culture as well as, you know, you deciding what your core values are and actually living by them and setting that example is one of the biggest factors in the culture piece. So 
whenever I look at a company, whether it's one salesperson or a hundred, I'm looking at those five tenants. And if they have the supporting documents, systems, and processes in order to emphasize the tenants and make sure that they're executing on them. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, the struggle that we often run into, especially since we're almost completely a virtual place, mm-hmm. you know, with all the companies and everything else is most salespeople I know are you running gun and gunslingers that are used to handshakes, are used to, right. you know, doing the cold outreach and, and the likes. And our world is just not that world. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's really in a virtual space. Um, as we're looking at ramping up extremely uh, and bringing on teams and the likes, I mean, how do you find the virtual gunslingers in this? I mean, how do you find the the ones that are – and I'm not looking for the hard closers. Right. I'm just looking at the ones that are hungry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is look at my current client base. You probably have a few people in your client base already that are already doing the job. They believe in what you're doing so much. They believe in you as the example of that. That is a great point. Yeah, they believe in you as the example of that. And so it may be that you can assemble a pretty stout sales team without it even being full-time, especially in the virtual world, because they're always going to want, your clients are going to want to have their own thing. They're entrepreneurs. Yep. They're they're self-sufficient. You know what I mean? No one tells them their schedule. They uh, have their own disciplines in place, which is great. Because a lot of times they have the capacity to be able to, maybe they're that good of an entrepreneur, they've put systems and processes in place that their their team is running it. They may have capacity of five to 10 hours a week to have some conversations with prospective members uh, of your group and, and get them on board. And coming from another on, entrepreneur to entrepreneur making that sale is so much easier and having an internal person that's maybe W2 100%. or that, you know what I mean? So it may be in your current client base already, which I can tell you right now, like your clients that I've had interactions with or had on the podcast, I mean, they are huge roaring fans, which is what you always want to see of any product. <laughs> so for sure. I, for sure. I would say that it wouldn't be too difficult. You know, obviously you're, you're going to want to find somebody that's running their own business and they're in the 70 to 80 K a year income range. And working with you can take them to the 120, 130 a year income range, but it's not their bread and butter. It's not what's paying the bills. Right. It's what's paying right. for vacations. It's what's paying for, you know, the, the nicer car or the upgraded house, you know? For sure. For and, sure. So what if, what, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Finish that thought. Yeah. I, I was just going to go into the second part, but I think you had a question on the first part. Nope. Well, I was just thinking now, Outside, what if I'm in a brick and mortar mm. or the likes, they're in the same position, you know, and they need to find salespeople, but maybe they're looking for more full-time, yeah. you know, commissioned reps. And, you know, you talked about compensation mm-hmm. for two seconds. Compensation is one of the most difficult things to work through, depending on your business model, business structure and, and flows. Mm-hmm. How do they find, you know, salespeople? And then how do we dial up into what the compensation model should be? So I, I had this question in another group that I'm in the other day is like, uh, you know, I want to hire my first salesperson. What do I do? And in my mind, there's three major documents that you need to create in order to hire your first salesperson. One is comp plan. Two is the scope of work and three is the script, right? The script, which is the conversation that they're going to have the most, right? And I feel like in creating those, you're going to kind of create an avatar for the salesperson that you want. 
And like, in, like mm. just like I, we do with our customers, we create an avatar. We say, hey, uh, Donnie, in your case, you want entrepreneurs between 25 and 50 years old. You know what I'm saying? That have been in the game for a little bit, have some experience, understand the challenges they're going to run into. And, you know, you can provide a lot of solutions to help them with those challenges. Right. So that's your avatar. Um, and so they have to figure out, okay, what is my avatar? Is, is my sales cycle a long sales cycle? So I'm going to need a salesperson with patience, experience, and know how to cultivate relationships. Or is my sales cycle transactional? It happens right then and there. And if it doesn't happen then and there, then it's probably not going to happen at all. You know, my conversion rate is going to go down 70% if it doesn't happen on the first call, the first contact, the first message, right? And if that's the case, then I can kind of fish in that younger, newer salesperson pool where it's not going to require, you know, a complicated script or a complicated training process. And I can probably have three or four salespeople versus on this other end, if I have a complicated long sales cycle, maybe construction, you know, maybe um, this is going to be financial services or this is going to be, you know, a software, software, something like B2B, yeah. then I'm going to need to really take my time recruiting these people. And a lot of the qualifications going to happen on the front end. You know, where, which is where I'm going to do personality testing. I'm going to do, um, I'm going to make sure there's some hoops to jump through. I'm going to put things in the subject line of the emails that I send them as they go through the application process, making sure that they read the subject and they read the body, right? Those little things, those little hoops that make sure, hey, I'm going to have to invest a lot of training, product knowledge, and time into this person. I want to make sure I spend the money and the effort on the front end so that when I do finally get them, I'm not wasting my time and they're quitting after two or three days, you know? For sure. So I've, uh, one mm -hmm. of the funny things I used to do when I was hiring salespeople was I would put in the email, send me an email when you leave your house and start to drive to my office. And it was a, just a stupid little thing that I started doing. Uh -huh. And you would not believe how many guys would not do that. We wouldn't hire them. Yeah because they obviously didn't have enough attention to detail um, for what we need, especially right. when we were doing a very high dollar sale. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So those little things like that are huge. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. And, and so, and you can also have both within the same company, right? So I think in your case, you know, there is somebody that kind of set, sets up the sale or sets up the conversation, maybe sets up the appointment to have the conversation. I ticket offers work this way a lot. You've got the person that's in the groups you know, on social media, they're, they're basically farming the fields, looking for those leads and then pulling them out, setting the appointment, you know, and you give them an avatar to go after. Right. And then they yeah. build their machine and they start working through these groups and everything. And then they identify these people and, and start a conversation and then pass them over to the closer. And that closer typically is somebody that's been, you paid for your services, been a client. And maybe like we, we said earlier, uh, has their own business already, but because of your product, their business has grown and scaled and they can literally witness to this person. And they're not even selling at that point. They're just saying, Hey, I did what For Donna sure. said. And this is where I am. I started out at 50 K a year. I'm at 150 K a year, or I'm at, you know, seven figures now, whatever the case is. And then, uh, the secondary piece of that is hiring that experienced high ticket closer that understands these sales cycles, you know, where I've seen it really work is where, you know, you've got the example set and then you've got the, the VP of sales or the sales manager, whatever the case is, following that example. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and yep. they're, they live and breathe success champions. You know what I'm saying? 
to where yep. they, they wear it on their shirt every day. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a part of who they are. That is the best salesperson I've seen for a mastermind group or high ticket, you know, digital offer. Like a lot of us have hundred percent, you know, and that's held true to, I mean, some of the best sales reps I've ever had work for me over the years were clients first, yeah. right? You know, they were recipients of, and that was from sales training to even commercial printing at one mm. point. You know, it's it's pretty impressive when you got somebody who already loves your brand, loves what you're into, yeah. because now it's, they feel like they're they're more a part of it, mm -hmm. if you will. A hundred percent. All right. So you had to code, code, give me your, give me your steps again. Uh, so I know it started with. So that, that's how I audit companies. I look at their compensation look at their opportunity development operations and culture. And so I have right. 18 to 20 documents that I use in order to make sure that these things are present. Because if you're missing one, oftentimes that's where your pain point is, or that's where you find out, Hey, I'm not developing these guys for this high ticket sale. And that's why, you know, we're, you know, our, uh, closing average is going down, whatever the case is. So there, there's gotta be, uh, but roughly 18 to 20 documents that support the sales program. God bless 18 to 20 mm -hmm. documents. That's, that's a lot of paperwork to be filling out. So you're not typically working with like your, your middle small businesses. You're getting, you know, companies that are actually looking to build out. That's teams. full scale. Right. And so yeah. I've, I've built sales programs for somebody that was hiring their first business development role. So, and I, it was a high end security company. Right. So they do like security for government buildings, uh, Lockheed Martin, Twitter, you know, and executives going from the plane to the office, that whole deal. And uh, up until the time that they. Oh, so physical, yeah, security, physical security, not. not yeah. Got it. Got up it, until got the it. time that they hired me, the owner was the top salesperson, the only salesperson. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and granted, they were a three to four million dollar company, which is. Uh, great and everything, but they weren't going to scale until the owner kind of stepped out of that role. Because in terms of the fulfillment piece, he was incredibly essential. And when it came to the big ticket clients yeah. like the Twitters and Lockheed Martins, you needed his expertise in there, but he can't be doing that and taking and we you know five thousand dollars sales calls. You know what I mean? Yep. And so yep. Yep. we we scoped out a business development role for him. We scoped out uh, LinkedIn uh, prospecting from email or LinkedIn email and networking. And then we wrote a, uh, what, what did we call an assessment module? So basically this is a sales script. So once I make the connection and I set an appointment with them, the actual uh, module I'm running through in order to run that appointment, cause I'm kind of assessing their security that they have in place right now, or if they don't have any at all, I'm kind of like bringing up the pain points that they're dealing with, whether it be, you know, termination walkouts and stuff like that that they don't have uh, a system in place for yet. And then we also set up a follow-up process, a CRM, all that good stuff. So, well, the, the one thing that I really love about all this is it goes right along with my theory that you can't hire a salesperson until you know how to sell your stuff. Absolutely. Right, because if you can't teach them the steps to make a successful sale, mm -hmm. everything's gonna be theory. Absolutely. And they're going to, you hire a rep, they're going to come back to you and say, Hey, I got in this situation. What should I do next? Mm -hmm. And if you aren't going to be able to give them the answer, because you haven't never been in that situation yourself. Absolutely. So you've actually got to go out and sell and find success before you, yeah, you start too many, down that path. Too many people create the product 
and then already start hire a salesperson. I want, I want to see, do it, execute it for a hundred days. Yeah. You know what I mean? In yeah. my mind, a hundred yeah. days is, is minimum. That's what I did when I came into my business that I have now. Um, it was a door knocking company at the time and our only client was AT&T. And so I came into the business and basically knocked for a hundred days and I said, okay, um, I need a script. I need a, um, train the trainer, you know, to be able to train the new people coming in and, um, I need a comp plan. So I put those together and then I hired my first salesperson, you know, there was already a few in the company cause I, I purchased an existing company. Right. And they had a few scripts and stuff like that, but I, I couldn't, it was all paragraphs and long sentences. And I was like, I'm not memorizing this thing. I don't have that attention right. span to do that. I need bullet points, you know? <laughs> so I created my own and I started building out the sales program from there, you know? So when you're looking at a hundred person plus door to door sales company, yeah, you need 18 to 20 documents, but like that high end security company was maybe a total of seven or eight documents that they were operating off of, you know? And then, yeah, so, you know, like a, a consultant or a coach maybe needs like three or four documents, you know? Yeah. Let's talk through that a mm -hmm. second. So you're a consultant, you're a coach, and you're building your business. How did you document your script? How did you document your sales process mm -hmm. so you could then give it to somebody else? So what happened was I joined a high-level mastermind. Um, at the time, this mastermind cost 40K a year. And uh, I had several sales teams that I was running at the time. And so I had, you know, roughly 2.5, 3 million a year in commissions coming in from those sales teams. Right. And so I had a consistent uh, income and I was probably involved like 10 to 15 hours a week. And that was more to show face and to, to be the face of the company. Right. And at that time I had offloaded everything. There wasn't anything that I was responsible for on a weekly basis other than showing up for the, um, the management calls. And so what happened was I started rubbing elbows with these eight and nine figure earners and they were, you know, I had total imposter syndrome, right. And all these guys are big personalities, right. You know, they built their authority, you know, they're all over social media and they're just crushing it. I'm just like, you know, big time imposter syndrome. And then we started having conversations and I started talking about kind of how I built my sales teams and how many people I had and what our training process was like. And then all of a sudden I ended up with a circle around me and all of them are peppering me with questions because sales was their number mm -hmm. one challenge in hiring salespeople. Yep. And, and, th and this is what I hear every time. How do I find good people? You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't find them, you create them through your program, you know? And so once oh that, wait 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 that's fucking brilliant dude mm -hmm. that was great said mm -hmm. you create them from your program that means whatever your sales process and everything mm -hmm. else is it's the complete idea of taking good to great well and, and, um, and yes absolutely and here's a beautiful thing if you do attract that great salesperson then well that's the cherry on top you know what I mean but you right. got to be able to take them from zero to a hundred via your sales yep. program you know and you don't have to be able to do it in year one. But I feel like by year three or four, you should be able to have a solid sales program outline and take somebody off the street that can walk and chew gum and has the work ethic and has a positive attitude and aligns with your core values. You should be able to put them, them through that system and then them come out making six figures or having the ability to, to be a top salesperson in your company. You know, the, well, the more important the, you know, thing is that they... Oh, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Sorry, there's yeah, a slight delay, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a little Go. delay. 
the more important thing is that they're aligning with your core values, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think they have to do that on the front end or you're going to be investing in a, a dud essentially. Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just wanted to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, that, that's 100% what I was adding in there is that's the importance of doing your homework up front and putting them through a process before you even hire them. You know, it's the old saying of you know, hire slow, fire fast. Yes. Um, you know, um, you know and, are you finding this out there? When I did sales training, mm-hmm. I was blown away by the number of companies that did not invest in their sales team. They literally would just hire people and say, go sell. And are, are, do you see that a lot in the marketplace still? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm because it's crazy they, to me. I, I, you know, their idea is, hey, this is a common industry. Let's just say it's roofing, right? This is a common industry. You know what I mean? I should be able to go out and find roofing salespeople. Which, right. when you look at, like, just walk into another roofing. I mean, they have peers that are roofers, right? And look at their salespeople and look at how they operate and the numbers that they do. Do you want to hire that person? I mean, or do you that like, and, and, you know, your, your great salespeople aren't on the street. No, they're not. You know, so if somebody's coming to you looking for a roofing sales job, there's a reason yeah. they don't have a current job, yeah. you know? Um, oh, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so much harder and you're going to have so much more heartache and, and unmet expectations. If you go after top producers, if you go after top yes. producers and then you're going to create industry enemies, you know? which is very common in, in the door to door space, in the direct sales space and in the B2B space. And when we're at a time where we should be working together, even if we have the same damn business, you know, dude, well said, I just don't believe in competition, man. It's all collaboration. You know, I talked to Thomas Keenan, we did a live yesterday. Mm -hmm. He's got an event that's one month before mine. And like, dude, let's jump on. Let's just interview the crap out of each other about our events and get some freaking exposure going. I mean, and we're hitting the same audiences. We're teaching different things, man, but it's all collaboration. You know, Thomas uh, opened me up to the wise hire hiring process and using disc testing to filter out your candidates Mm -hmm. on the front end. Um, I I paid for an hour of his consulting and I, because my issue was I could, I can get people in the door. I can hire, you know, 10 people a week, you know, but how do I find basically those people that are my future managers? You know, I'm willing to invest in them and and spend a year pouring into them, but I had a hard time finding those people. I could only find them through this like shotgun style of hiring, which was, you know, spray and pray. Right. And um, so I went to him with that and he's, and he's the one that gave me, the disk testing model, right? And now I use predictive index because it's a lot more accurate yeah. and scientifically proven. Um, but he's the one that kind of gave me that model on the front end and you can do it for like 300 bucks a month through wise hire. Super easy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I did, I did disk for a number of years as part of the hiring process mm-hmm. and 
when you know so much about a person based on their personality before you sit across from them, yeah. it just gives you a whole different dynamic conversation. You know, uh, it gives you a better question to ask because you know, based on their personality, how they're likely to respond mm-hmm. and to see if they've done the personal work to be able to get through unique situations best on what their profile yeah. is. You know, just huge on the front end. So talking through developing your reps, mm-hmm. right? You've gone through the process of doing these assessments up front. You've done the interview, you decide you're going to hire mm-hmm. them. Now you need to train them up. How do you actually develop the reps? I mean, I know we talked through, you've got to have all the stuff on the front end, the documentation, right. and everything else, but now where do you start? So there's a, a document that I preach on called an opportunity structure. And uh, when we talk about a sales, the sales division, right? You may not have multiple roles in that division yet. You may, you may need to forecast a little bit here. You, you got to run your numbers. Okay. If I bring in one sales rep, you know, I'm doing, let's just say, let's just say I'm doing hundred K a month. Right. But I'm, I'm the owner. I'm the talent. You know what I mean? I'm obviously bought into my own products. You know, let's just say right. we, we want this new sales rep coming in to do 30 K 30 K a month. All right. So if I have three sales reps doing 30 K a month and it takes me six months to get there, then at that six month mark, can I promote one of them to be a sales manager? As long as they train the new people coming in and they're, they're responsible for that team. And then can I afford an override, you know, so play with those numbers, see what that looks like, forecast that out and then create an opportunity structure. And so what we do, so go ahead. you said override, I want to jump in it real mm-hmm. quick. Explain the override. So, and you know, whenever you pay your salesperson, you don't really want to pay them what you can afford. And then what you make after you want to pay them what you can afford. You want to put in maybe like a 10 to 15 or 10 to 20% buffer for future management override. And then what you make after. So you want to make sure that that entry level position isn't overpaid because you're never going to be able to promote anybody above it. Maybe with volume you can, but you always want to build in that uh, management override, that trainer override, even like a referral fee for them bringing in another sales rep or something like that. But you want to build Dude, that you in. You know what's crazy about that is is I never did that in all the hiring I ever did. I mm-hmm. never even thought about putting an extra buffer in for the sales management roles yeah. and, and the likes in there through a different division. That is so damn smart. Um, and doing it early on as you're building your comp plan – uh, uh, it's just a really smart play. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a hundred percent stealing that, Doug. <laughs> well, that's what it's there for. That's what it's there for. Well, and that, that's the thing, right? Um, you know, uh, you were on my podcast, building great sales teams, and we just give away so much value on there. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's the whole deal is like, we're going to give it away until you feel like you need an expert, you need a consultant, and then, and then you can purchase our services. But I, I, I want to give more people some value would do that. first. You know, you, you talked about on, on the intro of your podcast, how do you sell without selling your soul? And I think that's the key factor is that you have yeah. a product, a, a free product, essentially. Lack of a better term, a free product that they can go, they can learn from, they can execute on, and they can make money with. And I feel like 100%. if you have that on the front end, you have that as your down sell. And even though it's not a sell, right? If you have that as your downsell, I feel like you're always acting out of integrity. You're always genuinely wanting to, to, to help the person. You know what I'm saying? And the biggest yep. question is, do you want to do it yourself with the free product or do you want me to do it for you? You know, that's the only difference. 
right? And yep. when you're selling that but, way, and, it makes it so much easier. Oh, dude, people in this day and age just don't don't fully wrap their head around that they buy you first mm-hmm. and then get what you sell. Yeah. Right. So the, the number one thing, whether you're a salesperson working for somebody else running your own business, you better be dialing in that personal brand yeah. and building your damn network out. Yeah. Because if you lose that job, you lose that business, whatever, the only thing you get to keep is your personal mm-hmm. brand and your network. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and if people don't believe us, go watch a top sales guy leave a company and go to a competitor. Mm-hmm. Watch how many of those clients jump ship with them, yeah. you know, as that, that process happens. That's yeah. why there's all the non-competes and everything else that are out there in the marketplace. I've learned that the hard way. So, I've never enforced a non-compete, though, because I, I learned from my previous mentor. It's it's just expensive waste of time and a waste of mental space, you know? Ag- agreed. Especially agreed. in Texas. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I found out the hard way in Texas that because I got uh, nailed with a non-compete early yeah. on uh, when I launched my company and my attorneys are like, look, you'll beat this thing, but it's going to be a two year process, yeah. ridiculous amount of co- you, you know cash because they're going to bury you in paperwork just so you don't fight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, nobody wins in a non-compete, nope. <laughs> you know, just so, your ego, maybe. Friggin- <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and let's be honest, that non-compete, even when it's up, they're not going to retain those clients because the salesperson owns a relationship, yeah. no matter what the company thinks. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, cool. So talking about developing your guys, yeah, yeah. Do, do you do uh, training? Do you do right. uh, what? So my biggest thing is uh, classroom training and field training, right? And so there's different versions of this, whether you're selling virtual or you're uh, selling door to door or you're selling B2B. Right. And so classroom training is one of the most important pieces that you have some type of learning system. It can be ran by a trainer. You know, it can be a PowerPoint presentation. They're teaching them product knowledge. They're teaching them the sales structure and they're teaching them the culture of the company. Right. And, and helping them with the tools in order to do the job, the software, stuff like that. Giving them the entry level, not giving them too much up front. You want to give them enough to make a sale. But you don't want to teach them, you know, the full history of the company and every product that they could possibly sell and the um, what is it called? The uh, growth structure of the product offering. I mean, you just want them to get their beak wet, essentially. And so that's what a lot of people do. They give them everything up front and they hand them a book and they say, go sell. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, no, I need you. they need a little bit of direction, a little bit of hand holding through the initial process, right? So that's the class. Are you doing like role plays and stuff? Yeah, in absolutely, that? absolutely. So you're doing the product knowledge, you're doing the sales training, and then uh, you're doing, you know, you're going over some of the tools and stuff like that, and then you're doing the role play with the tools in hand, making them actually work through that. Because a lot of times people can talk all day long, but as soon as I have to look down and fill something out, it's over. I've lost my train of thought and I can't do two things at once. You know what I'm saying? So Doug, this is insane to me because I sold sales training for seven freaking mm-hmm. years and I never ran across a company that ever thought this way mm-hmm. in that entire time. So are you finding companies that are already doing this? Or are you teaching them that they should be doing this? So what, what happened here is I did door to door for 13 years. You know what right. I mean? And a lot of, what I see is a lot of people in different industries, you know, obviously they do door to door, this gets easier, but they, they don't pay respect to door to door, but you got to understand, like literally I'm taking a prospect from nothing to everything. I'm taking them from zero to a hundred. It is in my mind, the hardest sale there is, you know what I'm saying? In terms of sales mediums. Right. 
I, I, I would agree with that because it's a one shot, one kill. You get one opportunity to be in front mm-hmm. of that person. And I mean, I did it in Texas selling hating air conditioning as a yes. kid. You know, uh, it's you're walking in 110 degree yeah. weather, hoping that Susie Homemaker's home. You know, So if it's the hardest <laughs> oh. sale, then it's the hardest thing to build a team for, too. And on top of that, you can't pay him salary because then they'll just sit in the car and enjoy the air conditioning. Yep. At least the ones that aren't for you will sit in the car and join Yep. Enjoy the air conditioning. I made that mistake up front too. Then I showed up to a neighborhood, check on my guys, and they were all sitting in the van smoking weed, and I had to fire them all that day. You know what I'm saying? They were just collecting <laughs> a check, you know? And so, dude, I had one one time where it was a cold calling mm-hmm. team, and they were paying them a stupid salary up front. And they kept saying, she kept bragging about this one gal. She was just crushing it, just crushing And they were like, dude, she's doing so many dials. They finally checked the call off. She was calling her own cell phone like 200 times a day. Oh, my gosh. Just back over and over and over and over again. Yeah. We're like, all right, let's change this up. So this is you something know. that most people have to do commission only. It has to be 1099, and they have to have an entrepreneurial yeah. spirit. Like that is one of the hardest recruiting environments ever. And then you've For got sure. to develop them to, to teach other people and train other people and recruit other people in that same environment. You know what I mean? So in my mind – I spent 13 years in one of the hardest mediums. So when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I have, you know, my, I got three salespeople and they have so many leads and their conversion rates, like 20% or something like that. And, uh, I don't know how to, how to get them converting higher. And it's like, well, hire more salespeople. They're fat and happy. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're making 60, 70 <laughs> K a year working from home doing remote sales. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to create scarcity. You need to create competition. You need to create a culture that, that closes every deal that comes in, you know, and we can get that to 50% in no time on top of development and making sure your operational structures lined out and everything. But anyways, going. And this is not about having, trying to keep your, your salespeople from being successful. It's yeah. keeping them hungry. Yeah. You know, uh, most people, when they build out a comp plan or comp structure, mm-hmm. They're thinking from their own mindset. Well, I couldn't live off of twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars a year type of thing. Well, it's not about living off that lifestyle. It's about creating a compensation plan that allows them to go make the money they need mm-hmm. to make and as much money as they want to make. Yeah. They just got to freaking work for it. Well, and that's where you know that's where culture comes in. So when we when we go back to the development piece, you've got an entry level position in your company, whether it's a setter, closer, it doesn't really matter. It's the entry level position. So you're going to have the orientation. You're going to have the uh, initial sales guide that they're going to have all their resources and that they can reference if they need to. And uh, you're going to have things like, uh, and this is what I highly recommend that, that I feel like nobody's doing right now. It's like, hey, bring experts in to your business, right? Have them do a company-wide Zoom with the whole company uh, tax training, right? I'm a 1099 sales rep, so I, I need tips on how to file my taxes. Not file my taxes, but how to set up my bank account, what expenses I can write off, you know what I mean? The tax code, stuff like that. This just a general overview tax training, bring in the expert, record it, and now it's part of your onboarding process. They have to go through that tax mm-hmm. training in order to hit the field, right? Because it happened so many times. We'd have guys come in, make a bunch of money, 60, 70 K a year, spend it all. And then the next year they get a tax bill and they're like, Hey, what is this? Well, you're a 1099, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to take care of your own taxes. And so as soon as that happened the first time, what did we do? We put tax training in place, but hmm. you know, that is a touchy subject. So you want to bring in a certified CPA in order to do that training so that you don't, right. you're not held liable. Right. And then, so they go to the next level, right. And now they're able to train salespeople or train people coming in or start their own team. 
you know, and recruit their own people, right? And they're incentivized to do that through a training pay, an override, maybe a referral fee, whatever the case is. But again, if you're giving them another way to make money, then you have to teach them how to execute that way to make money. So they've got training on how to recruit, you know what I mean? How to recruit at a gas station, how to recruit on social media, how to recruit the, uh, in your clients, right? And so, um, you have an SOP. And once again, that. you got to know how to do all that shit yourself. Exactly. So that you can teach them, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or pay somebody that does know how to do it, right? And that has done <laughs> right. it, you know, hopefully very close to your industry so that they can come in and they can write that up for you. And then, of course, um, again, investing in them again, how to open up your own LLC, you know, how to uh, operate that LLC, the bank account, the business, the tax implications of the LLC, you know, how to in bring in that consultant for that. And a lot of times it's the same person, right? And you have this go-to right. person. And the beautiful thing about that is, is you're built, you're reinforcing your network because your, uh, your high level sales rep is going to pay them, you know, 800 bucks or whatever it is to open up the LLC, get their bank account set up, maybe even do their taxes. So now you're bringing business to your, your network as well. And, and giving them, I mean, you can go as far as like they do it for free because they're going to get content from it. They're going to get a Q&A, a back and forth that they can use in their social media, whatever the case is. This doesn't have to be paid. You know, it can be something that they know, hey, I might get some business from this, but more than anything, I'm doing it for the content kind of thing. So there's an exchange there. And then next level, so on and so forth. You know, I've had clients include things like um, the greatest salesman in the world. You have to read that in order to get promoted to trainer, you know. And then you've got to read, you know, um, how to win friends and influence people in order to get promoted to manager, you know? And so you're creating, it doesn't have to all come from you. We have so many amazing people in all of our networks that can help us develop our people, whether it's paying, oh, uh, Lori, I paid her to come in and, and, and talk yep. to us for an hour. And we recorded that training. And now we have a millionaires meditate training in our database that we can use anytime for that internal team. Right. And so um, definitely utilize your network and utilize the training you learn from success champions or this podcast, you know, shoot, yeah, uh, download the podcast and include it in your training. Uh, download this one on how to build a team. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. so many ways you could reinforce and build up your training doing that. So, and it's so smart. I mean, one of the things we do internally is we We'll go, me, Kevin, rest of the team, we'll find a podcast and we'll send it to the rest of the team mm -hmm. and you've got to go listen to that podcast, 100%. you know, um, so we can have talking points around it. And usually it's something we need to learn or something we're working on. Mm -hmm. But the bringing in the experts then and recording that, so it's a permanent onboarding type yeah. thing, we're stealing that as well because uh, I have a missed opportunity in the company that we're not doing enough of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're capturing a lot of stuff with the podcast and some of the other trainings, but we're not repurposing that internally for our own clients and we're fixing to start doing that. So, well, and the um, overarching theme that I want to point out for your listeners is develop your, develop your people, how to do the job, how to make money, develop them, how to teach other people and train other people, how to make money and then develop them as human beings, make life a little mm -hmm. easier for them. You know, that's why we did the million, uh, the, uh, millionaires meditate training. It, it, you know, it wasn't going to directly benefit us. It was going to develop them and benefit us long-term and having a more well-rounded sales rep or sales manager or sales leader, of course. But there's no immediate ROI on that. 
And I think some of right. us get so focused on the numbers, we only look at that immediate ROI and we don't focus on building our culture, which is one of growth and development, you know, just like the podcast says. You know, I had a, I wish I could give them credit. I don't remember who it was that told me this, but they're like, you know, you need to be investing in your clients like you're treating the lifetime value. Are you mean investing in your employees like you're treating the lifetime value of your clients? And that stuck with me because, you know, it's what is it? Richard Branson, you know, has a famous quote, you know, people are like, what if I train my people and they leave? And he goes, what if you don't train them and they stay? You know, it's that kind of same philosophy yeah. here, right? You know, if you look at your employees as a lifetime value, because mm -hmm. it's expensive to hire, let's yeah. be honest, you know, uh, stupid expensive to hire. It's even stupid, more expensive to invest time with people and they don't work out and, you know, things happen, you know, that churn you may get and the like. Mm -hmm. So, um, I really like that, that entire philosophy of building them, making their life better, you know, through training and, and the likes. Yeah. There's, there's a hidden cost. There's a hidden cost to hiring employees and it's, it's time, it's energy, it's, it's mental mm -hmm. health, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and in the same sense, there's a hidden ROI in developing your people. And it's not necessarily always tied to the product sales or the product knowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's tied to just helping them become better people. For sure. You know, culture is one of the, the toughest things to not only project what you want the culture to be, mm -hmm. but actually create the culture that matches that vision. Yeah. You know, I've seen companies where they have the pit, you know, you got the guys and gals sitting there working the phone banks, just cranking. Right. Um, and actually, I would turned down training a company once upon a time because they brought me in 200 people sitting on phones, huge opportunity for us. And the, the vice president of sales said, they're just not closing deals. Mm -hmm. I said, cool, let's try something. So I brought all of them together. I looked at the vice president and I said, Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you pick up the phone and call somebody and show them how to do this process? He looked at me, went red in the face and goes, yeah, I don't do that. I get them to do that. And then I said, well, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. Right? You're asking them to do something you can't do yourself, so you don't know how to coach them through the process. And I said, based on that, I can tell you, we're not a good fit for training your company. Um, and he goes, don't worry. You weren't even going to get the option, right? Because you just tell the vibe yeah, totally change in a room. And I think most people, when they think of their sales team, they think of the boiler room. They think of the pit, yeah. right? They think of these type of atmosphere. So how do you really build a culture with your sales team that, you know, they're still kicking ass mm -hmm. and thriving, but you know, it's not the dog eat dog competition's great, yeah. but they're not freaking trying to destroy each other in the process. Well, I think the first thing you do is you set controllable actions. You know, you set minimums. So these are your controllables. Like in that call center, a controllable, a controllable would be 60 calls per day. The only thing that, right. that allows you not to hit the controllable is the results, right? If you, mm -hmm. if, if you're expected to get three sales a day, um, and your controllable actions is 60 calls a day, but you do six sales with 20 calls, then, then you don't have to worry about that minimum expectation because you have the results. You're just a better closer, right. you know? So we have to use common sense, right? So we set those expectations and, but honestly, most people don't get by without doing the minimum expectation, which is the thing that the owner did originally in order to create this company, right? Though those hundred calls a day, the 60 calls a day or knocks, or messages on, on Facebook and LinkedIn, whatever the case is. Right. And now, um, with AI and stuff, you don't really have an excuse. So <laughs> especially on, uh, messaging, 
on social media. But anyways, so once you set that expectation, you need to make sure when they meet and exceed the expectation, you're creating an amazing culture and you're investing in them. And so one of the easiest ways to do that is with core values, right? Here's the problem though. A lot of companies, they, they hear that they go out and create the core value. They create the poster, they stick it on the wall. Maybe even they put it in a few other places, but then it just kind of gets forgotten after that. Like, oh, we have them. We checked that box. Well, core values can't be a box that you check. The best way to come up with core values is you as the owner or you as the partners say, hey, what do we believe in? You know, for me personally, I believe in integrity. I didn't have it in my 20s. I almost destroyed my whole life because I didn't have it. And so whenever I was rebuilding that life, I said, I'm going to be a man of integrity. So my first core value is we operate with integrity. And so that, that, that is how you create core values, not saying what you want to be, but who you actually are right now. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't create those core values until two years into that journey. And I knew I was a man of integrity at that point. Bad news, good news, ugly, nasty, didn't matter. I was going to tell the truth. Right. And so I wanted my, my company to be the same way because we were a sales org. So if somebody asks us, Hey, how hard is it to sell a house with solar on top? It's pretty hard because realtors don't know what they're doing. So you have to be educated on it. But I will tell you this, whenever you decide to sell your house, have your realtor reach out to me and I'll walk them through the process. You know what I'm saying? Or have your realtor go to this resource and I'll walk them through the process. There's a transfer of liability that has to happen. There's a lot of misconceived notions. Basically the solar cell has to happen again, but we will absolutely do that for you as part of our customer service. Right. And so that was a, a big deal for me. So that's why I put that core value in place. And you, you all have things that in your business, you know, because I do this, my customers come back. That's your yes. core value. Yes. You know? Yeah. I love that. And the, most of our core values came from experiences and things we did. Like one of our core values, we, we actually call them the champions codes because nice. I just hate the phrase core yeah. value. So we created our codes because I just point. like, the, <laughs> right. Um, so we created a champions code just to put a different spin yeah. on it. But, you know, uh, we put family first mm -hmm. because I really wanted people to understand that, dude, I'm going to go spend time with my family. Yeah. Like if there's a concert graduation, my ass is going to be there. Right. And I wanted everybody else to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we found that we were constantly breaking things. And every time we did, we upgraded, right? We would try a new process, new system, and we learned. Oh, yeah. So we put in there, innovate by going, you know, break things by innovating stuff, mm -hmm. you know, figure things out. So, so the code is go break shit. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, then there was another one that I had to put in there for me because, and this one wasn't because of who I was. Mm -hmm. This one was because of who I needed to be. And it's don't be a dick. Okay. Um, because sometimes I can be blunt as hell mm -hmm. when I need to be more nurturing in nature. I think I'm always been, I, I always have this kind of cool, gentle bluntness when I talk to people, yeah. but sometimes that gentle bluntness becomes a freaking sharp ass sword that freaking things I'm right. Dude, the freaking I, heart. I will too say hard. this. It's been a year in between podcasts and your tonality alone has changed. I bet you, if you go listen to the podcast to. that you were on of mine, like you'd be like, Oh dude, who's that dick? You know what I mean? I loved it. I ate it up because I, I love that kind of right. attitude, like blunt, in your face, effective, you know? Well, but but now I, I noticed your tonality has changed a bunch. Thanks, yeah. dude. I mean, um, two things happen, though, is you mature in business. Mm -hmm. One is your circles better be freaking evolving, yeah. right? So you better be getting into a lot bigger conversations, a lot better conversations and upgrade. If you're still hanging out the same people you did five years ago, yeah. 
then you're just not playing the big game big right. enough. Um, two, there's a lot to be said about matching and mirroring. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so partially on your show, there's a lot more of, OK, let's let's really show them this side of Donnie. Mm-hmm. And there's the flip side of my show that your natural pace and speed is rate of speech mm-hmm. is slower, more more thought process when you speak. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense for me to match who you are in your pace so we can have a lot better and a hell of a lot more conversation, you know, and salespeople, I'm telling you, I don't care if you own your company or anything yeah. else, match the person you're freaking talking to, yeah. hit their rate and pace, and you will completely have a lot more dynamic conversation. So that's also where it comes from. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. But I've also screwed up a lot of <laughs> shit by <laughs> being the loud, boisterous guy yeah. I can be. So, so going back to the yeah. values, uh, so we've established our core values, right? We're, we're trying to build a strong culture. So the next thing we do is we need to execute on those values, you know, or execute on the champion's code, which is, all right, every meeting we have, we're going to recite those values. You know, whether it's me going over the mission statement mm-hmm. And uh, calling out people. Thank you for that yeah. because I because even even you know Thomas Keenan he when we had him on the show mm-hmm. we were talking about core values. He's like you know you've got to constantly be bringing them up. You got to constantly yeah. be talking about. It. And I hear a lot of people say those things, mm-hmm. but it, actually having them recited it at the start of the meeting, yeah, that's just a little bit of a, a tip that I hadn't deployed before. Mm-hmm. So thanks and I got that, that from Keenan. So I'm surprised he didn't say that right. himself. He may have said it, but. I got that a hundred percent from Keenan's book. Um, well, and sometimes, you know, you, you finally hear something yeah, when you're ready. Third to time. Hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what my wife says anyway. So, right. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, at the beginning of, in when I did this, I saw my company change. I saw people get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I saw people leave the company, you know, and then eventually I had to kick them out, you know, cause I knew that they didn't align with right. the values anymore. I mean that, and it, I will say Values are not always profitable for your business, at least not initially. They may be profitable for your soul, but they're not profitable for your business. Okay. And so I had a situation in which I had a regional director that worked for my company. He was responsible for about $1.5 million in business between him and his team that they brought into the company. And, um, you know, he knew he met the first person that he met in my company was the old me the 27, 28 year old me that was all about business, all about money and wasn't faithful to his wife. You know what I mean? And then I went through my transition and me and my wife remarried about a year ago. And, um, I established, thank you. I established uh, new core values for the company about two years ago. So I was in this process. I was drawing these lines. And so I went to him knowing that me and him used to hang out and, and do things that weren't good for our family. Right. And so I went to him and I said, Hey, this is, this is what I'm trying to do. This is who, you know, the example I'm trying to set for the company. And these are the values that we're going to embody moving forward, you know, <laughs> and I, I want to make sure that you're on board with this. Cause I know you've been working on it as well. He was on board. And then, a a, a year later, uh, we're at a million dollar mastermind. I paid for the whole team to go 30 plus people, hotel rooms, meals and entertainment, um, and then I, I sponsored the event as well. So I'm 50, 60 grand into this thing. And uh, he decides to sleep with my, one of my admin at another office at the event, you know? <laughs> and so I did, I had to cut him loose and I systematically lost 1.5 million uh, last year from that. And cause the same way 
the same way, you know, your clients buy into the salesperson, your salespeople buy into the sales manager. You know what I mean? And if they don't align with your core values, you'll find a whole section of your company that doesn't align with your core values because they're the leader. Well, you said you lost 1.5 million. I'm going to challenge that you would have lost a hell of a lot more had you kept yeah. it. Right. Because he would have kept building teams, kept yeah. building a division. That division likely would have grown. Yeah. And that, I'll call it a cancer, would have continued to spread mm-hmm. through not only that division, but now another sales manager, regional director yeah. in another division is going to go, oh, hell, if he can do that, me too. Yeah. Right. And now that stuff starts, starts to fester and spread. I, so I agree with you. Yeah. It was a 1 million, <laughs> 1.5 hit, you know, for a moment. But I think you prevented a 10 to $20 million hit down the road. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just that I want to make sure that people understand, like, don't do this shit half-ass. Values are real. And if you decide to live and die on them, then live and die on them. That's the bad stuff too. Mm -hmm. That's the unprofitable stuff. That's the uncomfortable conversations. You know, you got to be willing to have those if you're going to put those things on your wall. Otherwise, don't put them up there. 100%. 100%. Dude, we could do this shit all day long. This is a fun conversation. Um, I love doing this podcast because I get a chance to really dive into, you know, what people are into. Mm-hmm. And, and I swear every one of these episodes, I get to learn something really cool. So it's always my hope that the listeners get to come along for the ride and they're learning it as well. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, a, it's a great way to get a ton of free advice. Exactly. Being a, being a podcast <laughs> host is the, the game is absolutely the Dude. game. Like I've gotten millions in advice from being a podcast host. (laughs) Oh, Oh, the networking is off the chain. And, and I don't care. I think anybody in this world, if you're trying to do sales, trying to build a business, whatever you should launch a podcast strictly for the networking, don't worry about making money off of it. Right. Just the conversations you're going to get into, um, constantly blows me away. I just started tagging, uh, leads in my CRM that came from relationships that came from the podcast. And I'm already, I'm already at, I'm already in six figures and that's probably from like the last 20 episodes, you know what I'm saying? And so I just started keeping track of that because it is, it's a very far off metric that's hard to track sometimes. But if you, if you track it, as soon as the lead comes in, then, then you're in good shape, you know, and I've never like wanted to do that because I knew it was about building authority, building the network, getting the advice and, and rubbing elbows with people that were where I wanted to be, you know? And so, um, but now I'm like, all right, I'm 200 episodes in let's, let's track this thing a little bit and see <laughs> what the real numbers are. Cause I, I will, I'll, I'll have a podcast product out soon because I've done so many of them. my team is just like on it. You know what I'm saying? So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, brother, how do everybody get in touch with you? How do they find you? How do they keep up with your podcast? Absolutely. Uh, txbizdad.com is the easiest place to go to all my social media handles are txbizdad. That's T-X-B-I-Z-D-A-D. And so they can they and can find me. The there. name of the show is Build Great Sales Teams, right? Building great sales teams, yeah. Building, building. Oh, that's awesome. Well, guys, do me a favor. Go freaking check out his stuff. The dude is legit as hell. Um, we haven't talked a whole lot, but I will tell you, I'm stoked to have him at the Badass Business Summit. Uh, he'll be up there on stage hanging out with Greg Birch and Melanie French. Um, it's going to be a powerhouse panel of some freaking elite badasses when it comes to sales. I mean, 
these guys are on top of their game. So that'll be out uh, September 20th to the 23rd here in Fort Worth, Texas, man. Come see Doug. Um, the greatest thing I love about that summit, dude, is all the speakers stay all four days. So you get to ride and die with the people and hang out Hell with yeah. them. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. So, but dude, thanks for doing this, man. Always fun hanging out with you. And I look forward to figuring out what the hell we collaborate on next. Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to the summit too. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.